What's good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Cuatro Cuadrados. Once again, this is your boy Christian. And like every week for the past, what, five, six, five months, six months, uh, we're going to be talking about soccer. We're going to be talking about the biggest stories of the week, uh, everything that has been going on. I mean, it in Italy, Argentina, the Premier League, uh, we don't have any champions, but, you know, the MLS... You know, just a little bit of a little bit of everything to kind of you know get get in back and in the groove of soccer, man. Like it's crazy how many amount of new stories come out in just a week, and my mind goes crazy because I'm like, wait, should I talk about this? Should I talk about that? Should I, you know, mention this? Should I mention that? But we're just gonna talk about whatever I wrote down. So we're gonna go ahead and get started with something that happened really early in the week, and it might have been even like last Sunday, um, like you know early. I think whenever this episode came out, which was Monday, which I think that's when. <laughs> I'm sorry, I keep changing the dates, but hopefully uh, now we'll, we'll probably start doing them either Mondays or Tuesdays, the latest. But you know, don't hold me to that. But hey, at least you know you're gonna have an episode a week. From Cuatro Cuadrados. So uh, we're hoping to, uh, you know, stay consistent and, you know, do other stuff as well. But it, we'll get there eventually. Uh, but J.J. Watt, you know, uh, being a Houstonian, you know, obviously we are from Houston here at Cuatro Cuadrados. And J.J. Watt was a football player that played here at football as an American football. The ones that you throw and you catch with your hands type thing. And you kick the ball once or twice in a game. Uh, J.J. Watt, one of the really good, you know, kind of what they call franchise players, one of those guys that are known and identified with, like, the Houston Texans. You know, a lot of people think of, of him and think, you know, Houston Texans. Obviously, he went to play for another team afterwards. But this is where he made most of his fame, in a way. This is where he sh he was shining the most. Obviously, he did leave and... Did not achieve the championship he was looking for, but at least he was able to get a wife out of Houston, right? So he was married to a soccer player that played for Houston Dash, um, Kelia, Kelia, Ohio. I don't know. I might be tripping. But the point is that now J.J. Watt and his wife, who played for the Houston Dash, now are part owners, minor owners of Burnley. Burnley, a championship team that just got uh not relegated that just got promoted to the premier league will be one of the newest teams that we'll see next season uh played in the premier league and it turns out that jj watt somebody that we are very familiar with here in houston now is part owner of it or at least you know in a, in a minor way him and his wife uh so obviously that kind of brought the I was actually gonna do a whole list of all like foot of teams in football that are owned or partially owned by you know other sports stars in a way you know like you, you like for example here in Houston you know James Harden the basketball player he owns a little piece of the Houston Dynamo and then you know you can just like um, talk about LeBron James you know he has part of Liverpool. And, you know, the whole Wrexham thing, obviously, they're actors. They're not really, like, sports guys. But it's kind of like that same thing when Hollywood or people that you see as famous from other sports are, they seem to be investing or, you know, kind of catching up to this whole soccer train thing, right? Everybody's kind of jumping on, you know, spending a good amount of money on them, 
kind of trying to build teams off the floor. And, and it's kind of crazy. It's kind of cool in a way um, to see the, like, soccer being recognized by other people in a way. I mean, honestly, we don't really need the recognition from other sports stars. But it's, it's kind of cool to see how it's taking off here in the United States. Obviously, mostly from an investment point. Uh, you know, people are just seeing it as an investment. But... As you can see, you know, we see kind of like the the sport side of thing, you know, the, the passion side of thing, the, the 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 sport as, you know, as the game that we all like loved and, and kind of played growing up and stuff like that. So it's cool to see that. It's cool to see, you know, more people kind of getting into it, like non-soccer people getting into soccer. And I think it's going to draw more crowds and obviously it's going to make the sport a little bit more popular here in the United States. So that's what we're hoping for. Obviously, having a bunch of tournaments and a lot of international tournaments in the United States are going is going to help a whole bunch as well. Uh, but obviously, when you have you know people that people know kind of get invested, people they're like, "Whoa, interesting! Let me look into this." So it's cool. It's a win-win for everybody, I guess. You know, them in a money way, us in a recognition way as soccer people. So it's a win-win. Another of the things that happened this week was a uh, a little telenovela, a little novella between PSG and Messi, the GOAT, the greatest of all time, the greatest to have ever kicked the soccer ball on the goddamn earth. Um, it was it was a little strange, right? Because, you know, when, when you think of PSG, so a lot of people were saying it was, it was like a political thing. A lot of people were saying it was more like on the sporting side of things. But I think what we know... Or at least what I one think, you know, what I think I know is that, you know, PSG wasn't really Messi's first choice to, you know, per se, to go play after Barcelona. Obviously, Barcelona, there was the whole financial issue and he wasn't able to stay because of, of all that. And PSG was one of the, it's one of the few, you know, oil teams that we, as we call them nowadays, you know, they're, they're backed up by a lot of money. And they're backed up by you know very very rich people, and you know they're able they're able to afford you know salaries of like Messi's Neymar and Mbappe at the same exact time. So he was able to go over there. He obviously trained, you know, kept in shape in a way. You know, stay competitive in a club and a team that you know still fights for Champions League, still fights for kind of like international titles in a way, right? European titles in a way, and it was really good for Messi to stay fit and stay game ready for the World Cup, obviously, that was like the best, the best thing that could have ever happened in in that sense, because Messi came to the World Cup, and he was at his best, I don't know if peak would be the the right way, because I think we could all say the peak was before when he was in Barcelona with Xavi and Iniesta, obviously having people, those people around will make you peak faster in a way. Um, but, I mean, he gave the Argentinians a peak of a lifetime in a way. At least for me, right? I'm at 30 years old. I had never experienced Argentina win anything other than the, you know, than like a gold medal back in the day where Messi was attached to it as well. And now he gave us a Copa America and he gave us a World Cup kind of back-to-back in a way. Um, so... It's great. 
obviously PSG had some uh, had some words for him. The fans and everybody came out and went out to the offices, and you know they were saying you know messy this, messy that, just bad words and bad words, mouthing in the mouth, and in in a sense, I kind of understood you know where they were coming from because. It was kind of like a disrespect towards the club, towards the colors. And, you know, as a fan of a team, as a fan of the colors, you know that nobody, not one player is above the colors, right? So you kind of understand the frustration from there. But then also as an Argentinian, I'm like, ah, you know, fuck PSG, you know. (laughs) Obviously not trying to be disrespectful, but at the same time, it's like, fuck PSG. You know, they have the go, they have the greatest player to have ever played in like soccer instead of, you know, taking care of the man and, and just kind of like being able to, you know, enjoy what he brings to the sport and what he brings to the club. Honestly, I mean, that club, I don't want to be an asshole, but, you know, PSG is not, it's, it's not what, it, you know, now they're known for a lot of different things, you know, fashion and, and this and that, but I mean... When it comes to soccer, they just been competing in European <clears throat> competitions, you know, in the last few years, in the last 10 years, if, if, if I dare to say. I mean, even when Ronaldinho was there, they weren't even as big as they are now. And obviously marketing, uh, having partnerships with like really big brands, Nike, you know, Air Jordan, uh, having really famous and you know, people that are known in the soccer sphere as, you know, Messi, Neymar, Mbappe, Hakimi, you know, you name them, you know, whatever players kind of come up to your mind that they were able to get. And obviously they were able to stack themselves. But then again, you know, they're not able to win that 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 trophy that they all want to, you know, strive for. So it's it's kind of pointless. Obviously, PSG, it's, it's in Paris, you know, obviously it's big. It's, it's part of the culture there. It's part of the soccer culture there. But at the same time, it's like in the international realm, they just appear. So it's like, you know, fuck PSG. You know, they, they get messy. They get, they're able to, you know, kind of pay off Messi in a way to, to be able to play for them. And they can't even, you know, accept the fact that it was like a misunderstanding between the club and the player. I mean, we all know Messi, at least, you know, we know him in the public, in the public eye. And he doesn't seem like the type of guy to kind of say, you know, fuck you to a team in a way and just kind of leave him hanging. He he's, 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 he was always very professional, very respectful to the clubs that he's been. Even like even in the field, obviously, there's going to be moments where there's fights, where there's shit talking and, and everything in between. But the guy always, you know, you never heard a scandal. You never heard anything kind of bad from him. So it's like one of those things that... It's like, why are you trying to start shit with a guy that is known to be very respectful and honorable in the sport? You know, you guys are kind of shooting yourselves out. Because you're you're kind of making people choose between Messi and PSG. And I can assure you that every single Argentinian in the world at this point in time, it kind of has the same sentiment that I have, which is, you know, fuck PSG. They don't deserve you type thing. Right. For us, obviously, I've been saying obviously a lot, but it's okay. Fuck it. Uh, for us, Messi has been and has become a legend, like a living legend at the moment. And, you know, whenever time goes by, he's going to be at the same level as Maradona for, for a lot of people. 
and you know obviously the old generation had Maradona and even Napoli as we're going to talk about Napoli let's let's bring him in as Napoli now wins their first Scudetto after 33 years and those two Scudettos being with Maradona at the realm at the helm at the realm at the helm of it and you know Maradona being the guy that changed history for them and now 33 years later the the year after the death of Maradona, or I I think it's been a couple of years now, huh? but you know time after Maradona has passed away, you know he's he's still a legend over there. He's still a god. You know he's kind of venerated as as a soccer god uh, in a way in Naples, and and now they're able to come back to that. You know to to the happiness of lifting a trophy, to the happiness of having a really good team. I mean they competed to the the last previous stage of the Champions League. So they had a good team to even compete internationally. Obviously they got beat and they're out of the competition, but they they fought with honor. They fought, you know, with with respect and everything. And I think people kind of adore the underdog story of, you know, how many times have Juventus, AC Milan, like they have dominated Serie A for so many years. And to see Napoli, you know, a humble team from humble beginnings, you know, it's not one of the it's not one of the giants. We know them as one of the giants because of what Maradona did there. But they haven't won a title, a local title, a domestic title in 33 years. You're talking about something that, you know, teams, you know, some teams like win it every year. You know, Juventus, AC Milan and, and so on and so on. But Napoli was put on the map because of Maradona, and now they're able to come back to those winning roots, and and hopefully they can stay, you know, competing against uh, these teams. So, shout out to them. Also, um, I don't know if I'm going to start following Serie A, but Genoa, so Boca Juniors, as you guys know, I'm a a fan of Boca, but Boca Juniors, we are known as the Genovese, because the people that started the club, the the original Italians of Boca Juniors, and a lot of people that, that lived in the neighborhood of La Boca were from Italy, from Genoa. And and so we have like a really deep bond, or we as in Boca Junior fans and Genoa people, we have a really like, we kind of have that bond in a way because, you know, we called ourselves the Genovese, uh, Los Seneses. And they are the Seneses, they are the Genovese people of Genoa. And, you know, it's it's kind of like that bond of two clubs that are like brother clubs in a way. And they got promoted to Serie A, you know, these past few days, these past weekend, actually. And so it's like now I kind of have a dog in the fight to kind of watch Serie A here and there. So I might be keeping up with Serie A just to kind of keep up with Genoa. And... And that's going to be my team. You know, I always go for the underdogs. Well, except for Boca. But that's more of a family tradition. And, oh, also, I saw my... I have a, 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 a relative that came from Argentina. And he was actually one of... He's, he's actually my uncle. But I treat him as a cousin because he has my, he's my age. And he's the guy that I grew up playing soccer with. And we actually played in the same... We call it Bobby football, so it's like 5v5 when you're a little kid in Argentina and like you played on concrete. And we played Bobby football together. We, we were in the same team, and my, my dad actually was our coach. Um, and we played from the age of 4 or 5 to the age of 8 when I left, almost 9. So 
obviously other than being my teammate he was family so i saw him now after 20 some years like 20 years almost that i haven't seen him so it was it was pretty cool you know seeing him and, and being being able to hug the the guy that i celebrated a lot of goals with cuz you know i would i would wear number 9 i was a striker and he was number 10 he was my he was my creator my my messi you know i was the one just putting the balls away in the back of the net and he brought back a couple of videos on like USVs or whatever of my of when I was like one like my second year old party my second my my birthday party when I was two <laughs> if that makes sense and then in that video you see my dad's grandfather who was the guy that made my grand my dad a Boca fan so it was kind of cool you know watching those videos of you know when I was a, a child and seeing part of the family that you know I had seen before because he died not long after he I think he died when I was like five or six my dad's grandpa so I didn't really have a relationship with them with him you know as much as my dad did in a way so it was kind of cool watching those videos and, and seeing the man that is responsible of this of this madness that we live today you know he's kind of responsible for this podcast too in a way right and and everything that kind of I do with soccer he he's the reason why I am I do what I do in a way so it it's kind of cool and it's and it's weird you know like weird emotions and feelings of seeing the man that kind of kicked off everything in my life you know now I'm 30 and I was like bro like 30 years later I'm able to like look at this man and, and be like damn dude like if you only knew where I am today because of how crazy you are for Boca. So, I don't know. I just thought it was a cool thing. Uh, another thing that happened, let's move forward. And before I, you know, continue talking about my family and shit. Uh, Holland, Erling Holland, man. What a fucking beast. What? 38 goals, if I'm 35, 38 goals. Uh, breaking records in um, Premier League history. You know, becoming the top or scoring the most goals in one season he's setting off a record uh he's becoming a beast a lot of people doubted him well i don't i don't think a lot of people but you know usually when you come from a big league to another big league you may have a time of adjustment obviously he is playing for manchester city who also there's more news about city because they are buying the whole entire world but um let me just pull it up the the city group stuff but um so yeah so he's scoring for man city you know man city now they're on top of the table i think they're beating arsenal still by one point we'll take a look at it right now um so they're 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 top of the table you know almost there a couple of games left you know a record-breaking uh striker in in holland and it's just a like a legendary run for Man City. I mean, there's semifinals of Champions League, uh, FA Cup final against Man Manchester United. So you know they're going for the treble here of trophies. And you know we talked about it last week, but you know they just kind of keep surprising you. And you're like, what the, what is City doing, man? Well, I mean we know what they're doing. They have all the money in the world. But talking about having all the money in the world, they have added. City has added. A, another team, another club to the CD football group. Um, so now making that 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. 
13 teams to their roster. So obviously being Manchester City being their main one. New York City FC is kind of like their U.S. team. Melbourne City Football Club is their Australian team. Yokohama F. Marinos is their Japanese team. In Uruguay, they have Montevideo City Torque. In uh, Spain, they have Girona FC. In China, they have Sichuan Jiunyu. I butchered that one. In uh, India, they have Mumbai City FC. In Germany, they have Lomel SK. No, that's Belgium. I'm tripping. My bad. Uh, Lomel SK. In uh, France, they have Estac Troyes. In Bolivia, that's interesting. They have Bolivar. It's a partner club, so I guess technically it's not part of their uh, thing. They have it as, as partner club. And then Italy, they have Palermo FC, who Palermo, you know, also has a lot of history, especially those pink jerseys. Those fucking pink jerseys from Palermo are the greatest. And the newest addition is a um, a club that, if I'm not mistaken, they just got promoted to uh, Brasileirao A, which is like the first, the top flight of Brazil, but is a Sporte Clube Bahia. So... They're like a small club, you know, quote unquote, and obviously they, they're being bought by Citigroup to develop. And, and that's basically what City is doing. You know, they're using these clubs, these teams. And I'm I'm interested to see, you know, what they're doing in Argentina, because Argentina is a little bit different. They're not franchises. You know, they're, they're more of kind of like. I don't know how you I don't know it's weird they're like enti- they're like entities of course right but like you have to kind of vote for a president and that president is there for a couple of time for a couple of years one or two years if I'm not mistaken two years and then they can get reelected or they elect another guy and it's just kind of a little different right a little different but it would be cool to see kind of like well I don't know if cool but kind of see what CD is planning i mean they're fucking taking over the world already right but at least they're kind of building a pipeline the easy way right so most most clubs build a pipeline by looking at 12 13 14 year old kids and kind of see how they can progress them you know and and help them build character and help them build uh you know just talent and you know get raw talent and shape it and form it to become a great soccer player and and you just kind of build them like that but what man city is or not not man city but well i mean man city is like the goal of them right that's the top of the line that's where you want to be being in the premier league so they what they do is they just take you know the best players of these clubs and they just kind of like start shipping them off you know slowly but surely closer to that european closer to that you know premier league i mean we talked about Tati Castellanos last week. You know, he scored forward on Real Madrid from for Girona. And, you know, he went from New York City FC to Girona to Spain, you know, from the MLS to La Liga. You know, next step for him is to kind of build himself to become a Manchester City player. I mean, that's the goal, right? So at least they have a way of shape of kind of like moving players around between their own group right, of group of teams, and, and being, trying to be competitive in those leagues, I mean, Palermo, I think Palermo is in, in Serie B, which is the second division of uh, Italy, 
I think. Don't quote me on that. So, I mean, it's it's one of those things that, you know, if if you don't want to play in Italy, you can go here, you can go there. You know, you can loan out players to different to different uh, countries to kind of try them out and keep them. And, and, you know, you never know. You always you could always find that gem in the rough or that diamond in the rough. So that is that. Um, what else did I have? I don't think I had anything else. So let's just look at the Premier League table, man, because things are are shaping off, are shaping, are starting to take shape. There was a few uh, results here. Let me look them up. So yesterday as in Saturday, let me see if we can get Friday. Was there games on Friday? No. So on Thursday, actually, it was a really good game. Brighton uh, beat Manchester United. Uh, a goal from Alexis Macali said one of the, I keep saying, one of the best players, one of the best Argentinian players at the moment right now, and one of the best players in the Premier League, honestly. So that would make him one of the best players in the world. Man City beat West Ham United on Wednesday, so that's kind of going really far back. Arsenal beat Chelsea on Tuesday of last week, so we're gonna keep moving forward because on Saturday we have really we had some really good matches. We had Chelsea beat Bournemouth three one. Man City was able to beat uh, Leeds two one. Tottenham with the with the one zero difference beat Crystal Palace. Wolverhampton was able to beat Aston Villa one zero. You know Villa. They need to win to be able to, you know, hold on to those European dreams. Liverpool beat Brentford 1-0. And then today, as in Sunday, uh, you'll probably be hearing this on on a Monday. But Arsenal was able to beat Newcastle, who is, you know, also fighting in the top spot to be able to and continue to have a, um, a Champions League spot, right? Uh, so he was there, and then West Ham United was able to beat Manchester United 1-0, so that made it a lot interesting, and then today, or Monday, uh, Monday the what, 8th of May, you'll have Fulham play uh, Leicester City, and then Brighton is going to play Everton, Nottingham is playing Southampton, so that game right there, Nottingham for Southampton, is going to be a good one, because that's a relegation you know, kind of matchup. Nottingham Forest has 30 points. Southampton has 24. You can kind of shorten the distance there and, you know, do everything you can to kind of keep yourself out of there. I mean, Leicester, Leicester City, Leeds United, and Nottingham Forest all have 30. Then Everton with 29 and Southampton, Southampton with 24. They're not that far off. Only six points, you know, two game difference uh, is between those, you know, those last five spots and three of them are going to go under. So it, it's still a fight. It's still, you know, a fighting chance for everybody. It's nothing said and done till the end. Uh, and then up top, obviously, you have uh, Man City with one game less, 34 games. They have th- ugh, 34 games, sorry, 82 points. Arsenal has 85. Th- oh, my God, I'm tripping. 35 games, 81 points. So obviously the race is there. Uh, back and forth, Arsenal's playing Brighton, Man City's playing Everton, Everton is fighting on the bottom, so we'll see if we'll, they'll put up a fight, and then Brighton is is not fighting in the bottom, but they're in 7th place with 55, and they have Tottenham on top of them 57, and Liverpool with 62, and Man United with 63 on top of them, so they're only, uh, and they have 32 games, so they're still... Three games under Liverpool, so that's a potential nine points that could put them in, what, 54 points, on 64 points. So that could easily 
put them right over Liverpool in that fifth spot and go to the Europa uh, Cup, Europa League. I mean, they're still fighting there. And then I could, uh, I would actually put them over Manchester United with 63 uh, for that last Champions League spot. Uh, so it, it's a fight for everybody. Tottenham is playing Aston Villa also later on in the week. And, you know, like I said, there's only a three-point difference between them two. Uh, you know, if Man City wins the Champions League, they'll have an automatic spot. Uh, if Man United uh, has, well, I mean, it, one of them is going to go because of the FA Cup. Man United, Man City, they're playing the final. So one of them is going for sure. So you're everybody's going to be looking at that sixth spot with Tottenham, uh, Brighton, and Aston Villa fighting for it because there's only three difference between those. The only thing that Brighton has a lot of advantage now because they only they have three less games than everybody else. So that's going to be interesting there. Um, so hopefully, you know, up to Villa and they hopefully they keep fighting for for a European spot. Uh, what else do we have? I think that was it, man. Um, mis- oh, actually, well, let's talk about fucking sad news, right? Boca Juniors played River played. Uh, another super classical in Argentina. Uh, a lot of kind of bullshit, you know. I mean, obviously, I'm saying this because we lost. We lost 1-0. But it was kind of weird. Uh, the whole first half was dominated by the by River Plate. Uh, there was eight yellow cards shown in the first half alone. So a lot of a lot of people are being very critical of the of the referee, which honestly they should be. Uh, he started showing yellow cards starting the third minute of the game. And then in the second half, he didn't show, I don't think he showed any yellow cards. But then, you know, after the the 90th minute penalty kick given to River Plate, who, which was a little, you know, a little doubtful. And VAR is there, but they didn't even go to VAR to revise it. You know, you would think a 90-minute penalty kick would be revised by VAR. Just to kind of give it a second look, you know, second opinion in a game deciding penalty kick in the last minute. But the referee decided not to go to VAR. He has the authority to do that. He didn't go. Uh, You know, gave the penalty to River. River converted. And then after that, you know, some shit happened. A lot of, you know, the usual, you know, shit hazardry. Shit housery between Boca and River, you know, uh, players mocking, you know, River players mocking Boca players, and there was a whole fight. You know, some people got got hit, slapped around, scratched, and at the end of the day, there was six yellow, six red cards given. Uh, Boca ended up the game playing with eight players, three red cards for infield players. River got one red card for a field player, and then two red cards for two guys on the bench. Uh, the coach for Boca also got a red card. So it was kind of weird because Rivet ended up playing with 10 players. Boca ended up playing with eight, you know, the last like three, four minutes of the game whenever they reinstated the match. And it was just a very doubtful, you know, just very kind of like, mm, these decisions make no sense because a lot of people felt that the referee could have shown a second yellow card to some of the River Plate players. And he never did because he was too scared to show him reds. But you know, I guess that's the discretion of the of the of the referee. But you know, it is what it is. But with that being said, guys, I think that was everything that we had to cover. A lot of information, man. Napoli, Haaland, PSG, JJ Watt, City Group, Boca, Premier League, 
I mean, everything's kind of going crazy. So shout out to everybody out there. Thank you for watching or not watching, but yeah, watch the YouTube videos. Fuck it. But thank you for listening again. And we'll see you guys next week with more information about soccer. Uh, I'm trying to line up a couple of interviews with a soccer coach of mine, a high school soccer coach of mine. So hopefully I'm able to get him on the show and then he can kind of tell me some embarrassing stories that he remembers about me. That would be a good get. And then I'm trying to see if I can get my cousin on. He doesn't speak English, obviously. He just came from Argentina a week ago or like three, four days. But I think it would be cool for him to share his story because he did play for for Boca, <laughs> the the like the like the academy of Boca when he was younger. Um, he he got injured, so he wasn't able to continue his career. But that was also his dream to to be a soccer player. So I think. I'm going to have him on here hopefully soon, sooner than later in Spanish and just kind of have a nice chat since I have him close. You know, he can come in into the Cuatro Cuatro studios and just kind of have an in-person conversation and hopefully we have a nice chat. And, you know, for the for you Spanish speakers, hopefully you understand, you know, enjoy it. And if you don't, then I apologize. Uh, but yeah, man, thank you so much for listening. I'll see you guys around. Y'all have a good day. Don't forget. Keep it. Doug, I was going to say that thing that we say in Bayou City Soccer. But don't forget, if you like Houston soccer, Houston Dynamo, Houston Dash, Houston Dynamo, those, don't forget Bayou City Soccer. That's where you can find the boys and myself. Have a good night. See you guys. Or good morning. Good one. Bye.